0: Hi, and welcome to Cause Pods. I'm your host, Matthew Passy. Here on the podcast, we have one simple mission, to highlight the amazing folks who are using podcasts as a way to raise awareness for good causes. Whether it's a nonprofit they work with, a charity they support, a social justice campaign they're championing, a medical condition they're battling, or someone who is just looking to make a positive impact on their local community, their state, the country, or the world. These are podcasters with a positive mission. Along with raising awareness for our guests' favorite cause, we're also going to see if we can raise some money to support their efforts. So make sure you check out the show notes for each episode at causepods.org to learn more about what they're doing and how to help them achieve their goals. Very excited to be taking the show to Jacksonville, Florida today for a topic we have not really covered here on Causepods. We are speaking with Ellen Weatherford, she's the host of Just the Zoo of Us, which frankly, is an amazing title for a podcast. Ellen, thank you so much for joining us here on Call Spots today.
1: No problem. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I'm really excited. And I also unfortunately cannot take credit for the title. The title was come up with by my husband, who is my co-host. And it was really upsetting to me because I had been brainstorming possible titles for literally two months. And I couldn't come up with anything that was really like good and catchy and cute. And we were driving in the car one day and he turned to me and he just said out loud out of absolutely nowhere, he said, how about just the zoo of us and i was like (laughs) how have you done this to me
0: (laughs) well he's not here so he's not getting the credit
1: (laughs) exactly so scratch all that it was all me it's all me baby
0: well so all right so you do the show with your husband take us back first of all what is just the zoo of us all about and then why is this your cause
1: So Just the Zoo of Us is an animal review podcast where every week each of us, me and my husband, pick one species of animal. And we do a ton of research on it and learn everything we can about it. And we give it a rating out of 10 in three categories, effectiveness, which is physical adaptations, ingenuity, which is behavioral adaptations, and then aesthetics, which is just how nice we think that they look, which is just purely arbitrary and opinion based. But that's where we kind of have our fun with it. So... That's kind of the gist of the show. It's just kind of a fun format to learning about animals. And that has been our cause because I have been really obsessed with animals my entire life. It's been something I haven't been able to get away from. And like every pursuit I've ever done in my life, it's always tied back to animals. So my first job ever was working at a pet store, which I worked at while I was in school studying biology with the intention of becoming a zoologist later on in life. Life took me down a different path in college, but that was my goal at the time. And then just throughout my life, I've had a lot of different creative pursuits that I've gone about, like photography and art and a lot of different stuff that always just tied back into my passion for animals. I was doing like nature photography and animal photography and animal art. So when we got this idea to start a podcast, it was a very natural tie in to my subject of choice.
0: And now I want to get a little bit deeper into the purpose of the show, but I have a very important question, which is, If let's say you are rating an animal, right, let's say horseshoe crab, which at the time that we're talking was the most recent episode that you had done along with the fennec fox. If you wind up giving those crabs four out of 10 or two out of 10, like is there retribution? Do they get upset with low ratings the way like businesses (laughs) do on Yelp and things like that?
1: We haven't received any angry emails yet from many of the animals, but we don't normally give very low scores just because the nature of evolution means that over time the animal is eventually going to get better at whatever the things that it's doing. But it's funny that you use the horseshoe crab as an example for this because Christian gave the horseshoe crab a 3 out of 10 for ingenuity specifically because its behavior is pretty... Rudimentary. It's pretty simple and streamlined. So didn't give it a lot of points for necessarily intelligence. But you know, that's just the way it's going to be. Some animals are better at some things than others, and they make up for it in different ways. So sometimes people will disagree with us on our aesthetics ratings, because they're totally <laughs> arbitrary and just our own personal opinions. But yeah, we haven't gotten too much flack.
0: (laughs) That is good to know. So besides talking about animals and sharing your passion about animals, this really is also about educating people about endangered species, biodiversity, sort of the threats that are out there in various forms. So, you know, how do you sort of get into that on the show? And what has been the response so far?
1: So, so far, we started off early even just the first episode, we talked about the Florida manatee, and we talked about threats that boating can cause to manatees and threats that habitat loss can pose to different animals. We always make sure that after we're done with our ratings and everything, at the end of the segment on that species, we always include their conservation status according to the IUCN's red list. And so if that status is anything less than least concern, meaning they're doing totally fine, then we kind of go into what is threatening their numbers as a species, if there is something that we can do to help them, what are those things? So the horseshoe crab that we just talked about, one of the things Christian talked about in that segment was this campaign called Just Flip Them, educating people on if you see a horseshoe crab on the beach and it is flipped over on its back and it can't get up, how to properly flip it over so that it can go back to the ocean. So you flip it over by the shell. You don't grab its tail because the tail is very delicate. Basically, just equipping people with knowledge of what to do if you see this animal in the wild. But then there have also been other animals that we talked about, such as the European eel, which is critically endangered and not a lot of people I think know about the European eel. And if they do know about the European eel, they might not know how precarious their population numbers are. So some takeaways that you could get from that episode were, for example, my my friend reached out to me after listening to it and said that she had done some research after listening and learning about the eel and she had changed her ordering preferences at sushi restaurants to stop ordering eel at sushi restaurants because that can be a contributing factor to the numbers of eels. So You know, there are a lot of actionable items we try to always include in there, like what can you as the average regular old person, what can you do to help the species? And also we've talked about a lot of animals that have become invasive species. You know, we live in Florida. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with Florida's sort of ecosystem. Sure,
0: It is quite diverse from panhandle to the southern tip there.
1: Yeah, so we are right along the Atlantic coast, just south of Georgia. And it's very sort of marshy and swampy. So with such a hot and humid environment, we're kind of a hotbed for invasive species. It's really easy for a species of animal from Kind of anywhere to get a foothold in Florida, including like the Burmese python that we just talked about a few episodes ago. It's become a huge problem. You know, we've got these like 15 foot long snakes living in our swamps and they're not supposed to be there. So we talk about some things like what you are allowed to do about them, what is a good thing to do about them. We really try to do our best to make sure that people understand these animals' role in the ecosystem and what they can do to make our sort of Natural landscape in Florida and all over the world too. like how to make our natural landscape thrive
0: Gotcha, so I want to go back a little bit You talked about your passion for animals and you know And then you said when you were thinking about doing the podcast like this just made a lot of sense But why did you want to explore this topic? What was really the onus for you and your husband doing a podcast together on this?
1: so When we were brainstorming what we wanted to do for the show, really, our ultimate goal was to make something that's enjoyable to listen to, that people are going to have fun with, you know, something that people aren't going to be bored listening to, but also something that will help people learn. So something that will, you know, we're both very passionate about supporting environmental causes. So we've made a lot of changes to our sustainability at home. So we're replacing a lot of our single use items with reusable items and started composting and recycling and all that cool sort of stuff. So we've really been trying to make those changes at home. And we're trying to encourage a broader audience to start to think about these things as well. While appealing to people with, first of all, you know, the cute fluffy animals, like everybody wants to kind of hear about their favorite little, like a red panda or a fennec fox or something really cute that people are going to want to hear about. And also just, you know, we're funny, like we try to joke around and, and laugh about it and have fun so it doesn't seem too dry. And so what we do with that, which was part of our sort of not really a formal mission statement, but something that we wanted to do when we started the show was to take whatever ad revenue that we get and donate it to either the World Wildlife Fund or the Wildlife Conservation Network, or when we have guests, I ask the guests if they have a preferred wildlife conservation nonprofit. And when they tell me who they like best, then we donate our ad revenue that's in our current wallet to whatever nonprofit they say they like best.
0: <laughs> That's really sweet. And in fact, parallels what we're trying to do here, which is everybody who comes on the show, we try and find out what is their cause, what is their, you know, the thing that they are most passionate about. In in your case for this one, we are going to be posting a link to the Wildlife Conservation Network. But same thing, anybody who's on the show as well as trying to give, you know, attention to their show, We want to raise awareness and hopefully some funds for their cause too. So I really like the fact that you also reach out to the guests that you're talking to and try and make a positive difference for them. I think that's really, really sweet
1: it's been really fun and it's a really great way to like just build good relationships with the people that come in and spend their time talking to us and are nice enough to share their expertise with us because they've been really really incredible guests we've talked to like some wildlife experts and people that have worked with animals which was really really exciting because something we always say at the beginning of our episode is that we're not experts we just do a ton of research so it's been really cool having expert insight and then when I Talk to them, they have a really good idea of what organizations they think are really good for supporting. So, so far, those have gone to Wires, which is the wildlife rescue organization doing a lot of the groundwork in Australia to recover from the bushfires. And also, we've done a donation to the Giraffe Conservation Fund. Oh,
0: very, very nice. So, again, I want to step back. Why did you want to have a podcast even in the first place? What was that? decision like?
1: So I have listened to podcasts and been a huge fan of them all the way since I started listening to This American Life when I was, I must have been 11 years old. And on my iPod that I had that didn't even have the clicker wheel. You know what I'm talking about? It was like the first iPod that had the four buttons along the top. And so my mom loaded it up with This American Life for Me and I binged it. So, and then that led into Radio Lab and I was really obsessed with that. So I got really into educational programming in a f- podcast format, even when I was a preteen. And kind of stuck with it even through my teenage years and then into adulthood. It just really got me through a lot. It got me through a lot of long car rides, long plane rides, travel, commute, work, all that stuff. I've just kind of always been surrounded by podcasts and Even when my husband and I got together, I started to turn him on to some of the podcasts that I listened to. So I got him really into McElroy content. So I got him into the Adventure Zone. We both got really into like all of those, that sort of family of products, which that goes down a whole different rabbit hole because that got me into Dungeons and Dragons and got us both playing the game. So we really kind of have bonded over podcasts. And I would say the most immediate catalyst that happened was that earlier this year, right after we got married, two things kind of back-to-back happened. First, we went to Tallahassee, to Florida State University, which is about four hours away, but we made the drive on a work night to see Griffin McElroy give a lecture at FSU. And a lot of it was about just kind of his process and his personal like history. And it was kind of equal parts life chat and a motivational session. And we really felt inspired after that. And we're just kind of like, yeah, we really felt like we needed to get the ball rolling and actually try to make a podcast because we had kind of been bouncing around the idea for a while. Like, yeah, it would be fun. Maybe we'll get around to it eventually. But then we felt really inspired. And then right after that, we went on Jonathan Colton's Joko Cruise in 2019, which was just like we were just surrounded for a week by creative nerds. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a creative nerd convention on a boat. And so that was just a really fun experience, just being like surrounded by other people who were driven by their passion for like learning and just being creative with your learning style. And it was just really, really fun. So by the time we got off, we were like, okay, let's actually get around to doing it. And that was what got me to eventually pull the trigger and hit record. And that's when we started in, we started recording in April and we recorded three episodes and uploaded them in May. We've been at it since then.
0: Very nice. So not coming from a content creation background, you've been a fan of podcasts, but weren't a producer. What were some of those early challenges to getting this off the ground and what were some of the lessons that you you know you took from that experience?
1: Oh, I'm so glad you asked because I really learned the hard way.
0: <laughs> as as most of us do. <laughs>
1: yeah. So coming from nothing, having no audience, nothing, you know, we have friends and family that now have become a really, really integral part of our audience and community. But at the time, you know, we just had our buddies, like we didn't really have an audience built in to anything, we never made anything before. So something that I learned the hard way was that I had this feeling that I had to prove what I could do before joining the community. I felt like I wouldn't have a place in the podcasting community until I had a podcast and had already made it and put it out there and had something to show for myself. And I think that that was just insecurity on my part. And now what I say to people who ask me, you know, I'm thinking of starting a podcast, what do you wish you had done differently? What I wish I had done differently is I wish I had gotten involved in the community, maybe even before hitting record, but at least before launching, because it's just been such an incredible supportive community. They're so kind and they're so uplifting. And I really wish that I had connected with them before launching because launching, we had a couple of, you know, it was okay. It was like a, a couple of people listened, but it was really just like my friends and family. And it can be so discouraging to have a launch that isn't explosive and huge and you get immediately popular. I wish that I had networked a little bit before we started and just I think it would have made the launch a little bit easier. That's fair. As far as like technical stuff, of course, I've learned a lot about soundproofing your room <laughs> <laughs> or just our process has gotten a lot more refined. We have a much better sound quality, which you can definitely hear if you go back and forth between our first episode and our new episode. It's a night and day difference. We've gotten a lot better on that end of things. But for me, I think the biggest lessons that I learned were in Just community building and networking, and just take your product seriously when you start, you know. I think. A lot of people think, oh, well, I'm just doing this for, we'll see how it goes. And if it's crap, then it's crap. It's no big deal. But I think that people should give themselves a little more credit. And I think that people should take themselves more seriously and really like get involved in meeting other people that are going through the same thing that you're going through when you're making podcasts. It's just it's such a delightful community. And I'm so thankful to, to know all of the people that I know.
0: I think what you're saying is great advice. The only caveat I might give is that some folks get into the communities before they've launched and then they are stuck because they're getting so much good advice, so many different ideas, and they keep wanting to perfect everything before they launch. And then they delay and they delay and they delay. And even though you can learn a ton from these communities, and of course we always encourage you to join them, you're going to learn the best lessons by just doing it. Right? The best lessons in the world come from making your own mistakes, realizing them, and then finding the solution that works best for you.
1: Yeah, definitely. Just getting out there, like, it doesn't cost anything. (laughs) I'm like, you're not, you have nothing to lose. You're not going to lose anything just by putting something out there. You know, maybe nobody listens to it and then you decide that it's not for you, and that's fine. You haven't lost anything. You tried something and you decided it was not for you, and that's fine. But, There's so much to be gained and so little to be lost. Just jump in with both feet and go for it. It's just fun.
0: (laughs) And I always tell folks, make the podcast that you want to make regardless of if nobody listens. Make the show that you want to make even if you only have one listener. Because if you are creating something that you are passionate about or learning from or just having fun doing – You have a better chance of growing than if you are trying to make the show that is hacked in order to grow your audience the fastest. That's just not a formula for success in the long term.
1: Yeah. And I have also found that we're really blessed to have a really fantastic community of listeners that are made up of not just our personal friends that know us in real life, but the people that we found either through social media, or they've just found us by whatever means and gotten a hold of us. And I think from the content creator side of things, taking your listeners seriously and listening to their feedback. Because if you want to make something that people are going to listen to, they're going to tell you what they want to listen to. So just taking their feedback into consideration, appreciating them for being involved, and then getting them involved. Like something that we do is if somebody, say, they comment on a Facebook thread in our group or they respond to a tweet and they say something that either adds something or gives you a new perspective or just really is super relevant to what we were talking about in the episode. I ask them, like, hey, can I read this? And then on the next episode, at the end, we include an audience response section where we'll include, like, hey, this person got a hold of us in our Facebook group, and this is what they said. And just incorporating the voices of the other people that are listening to your show can really help just really build that community. I almost feel like the most rewarding part hasn't for me been the number of downloads or the number of listens or anything like that. It's not on my analytics screen. It's on the social media conversations where I see people that maybe they're friends of mine that are talking to people that have found the show, and they're making their own friends with each other where they've met Through listening to this podcast. And that I think is the most thrilling part for me is people that are making new connections over not just a love of animals, but over this content that I made. I get really excited about that.
0: Well, I mean, you are just a ball of sunshine and smiles (laughs) and enthusiasm and positivity. Absolutely love it. Everyone, the show is called Just the Zoo of Us. And as we talked about a little bit earlier, we will have a link to the show. We will have a link to the, their website, justthezooofus.com. We sort of talked about them a little bit earlier. The charity link that we'll be pointing people to will be the Wildlife Conservation Network. And you sort of did this, but I want to give you a chance to really just solidify it. Somebody else hearing this, thinking about their favorite cause, the thing that they're passionate about, something that they want to start a podcast on, what would be your you know, one piece of advice to them to get going and... Be able to enjoy the experience.
1: I would probably say to reach out. If you have a cause or a subject that you're really, really passionate about and you want to make a podcast about it, I would say reach out to other people before really getting the ball rolling on the production process. So something that I did before we started was I asked some of my friends who had worked at zoos before. I was like, hey, you have some experience working with animals. What do you think about this? Like, how does this sound? And then not only did that allow me to get their insight, but it then got them interested in what I was doing. So I would say reach out and just really take advantage of any sort of relationship that you either have or you can get. Social media will be your best friend. And I think my best piece of advice in the sense of the thing that I probably learned is to shoot your shot. Like, if you have somebody that you really look up to and you really admire, and but you think they would never bother to talk to you because you don't have a podcast or anything, right? Like, you think you're just not worth their time, but you just really look up to them and would value their input, just message them. <laughs> like, just try. Send them an email, send them a tweet, do what you can, reach out, see what they think. It's not going to hurt you. They're not going to hate you forever <laughs> or think you're crazy. Just reach out. You can only be pleasantly surprised.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's such cliched advice, but the worst thing they can do is say no. And that no is really not going to hurt you.
1: It's not. I've been doing a lot of shooting my shot this year because we have started to, you know, reach out to guests and stuff and reach out to to people who are way out of my league, in my opinion, and, you know, asking them to come be on our humble little indie podcast. And every time someone says yes, I'm always like, wow, really? (laughs) (laughs) I'm always really excited. And sometimes I get ignored, you know, like sometimes there's no response. And then you just move. On and appreciate the yeses that you did get
0: there's a lot of people on this planet, and there's plenty of them who are going to be great guests and You know what the person who says no, even if you haggle with them and prod them and annoy them and convince them it's probably not going to be a great experience. but the person who says yes, they're going to do so with enthusiasm they're going to have fun, and that's going to make for a great show so Don't feel dejected by the no. Just go out there and find the people who want to say yes and want to join you so you can have a great show.
1: Yeah, definitely. And especially when you have a podcast that is for a good reason, people are going to get really excited about that, right? They're going to feel like they're helping. They're going to feel like they're contributing to a good cause. So when you've got that on your side, you're going to get some natural enthusiasm that comes from people where they're going to be like, yes, I want to help with this good thing.
0: I couldn't agree more. Well, if you're into animals and you think that Ellen's positivity is infectious the way that I do right now, <laughs> you must check out Just the Zoo of Us. Again, it's justthezooofus.com. There'll be a link to the show, a link to the Wildlife Conservation Network. So if you want to support a good cause of wildlife conservation and animals, it's a great place to donate to. And Ellen, it has been just such a pleasure chatting with you here on Call Spots. Thanks for doing this today.
1: Thank you so much for the opportunity. This has been a lot of fun.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Cause Pods. I want to take a moment and thank the newest team member, producer Caroline Quash, who does an amazing job with scheduling of guests, finding particular guests, making sure that everything gets posted properly and making sure that everything, she just helps to keep the trains moving. I don't know if I can continue to do this project without her. So thank you, Caroline, for everything you do. And again, if you've been inspired by the work of our guests, please check out the show notes in your podcast app or at causepods.org. There you will find links to their work and a special donation link to support the cause. From there, you can also follow and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you enjoy your podcast. Follow us on social media and join the special Facebook group dedicated to you folks who are producing podcasts for a cause. So if you're already producing said podcast or if you're thinking about launching one, join the group We have provided some resources. We're going to look to provide even more. And hopefully, we're going to arrange some special nonprofit pricing of various podcast service vendors to help you with your venture and keep you under budget. And lastly, if you are a Cause Podder, someone who produces a podcast for a cause and want to join me for an interview, please, please check out the form at causepods.org. Once approved, we'll schedule you for a chat and share the amazing work you do with the Cause Pod audience. Thanks again, and see you next time on cause pots